0: When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at solomonbrothers.com, solomonbrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best.
1: On another exciting edition of Animation Deliberation, we are tackling the season finale for Amazon's Invincible Episode 8, Where I Really Come From. All that and more, right after this. Welcome back to the Animation Deliberation Podcast. It's the podcast where we take action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I'm your host, J. Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined, as always, by the illustrious Zuhair Ali. What's happening, man?
2: Oh, that's a fancy word. Uh, I made the mistake of trying to eat while watching this episode. Highly regret Ooh. that, and I'm ready to talk.
1: Sweet, sweet. Well, uh, let's get right into it right after this. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of a favorite action animated series, yeah. yeah. Yeah, almost forgot that, can't forget that.
2: Can't forget that. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> Alright, well, uh, as we have kind of been uh, doing these last few weeks, as we've gotten more listenership and really appreciate that. We've gotten more reviews as well as feedback. So, uh, Zuhair, I believe we have another five star review from one of our listeners. What do you got?
2: All right. TJ Stafford gave us a five star review. This cast has been great so far. Your genuine love of the material is evident that you are guys after my own heart. I've enjoyed watching Invincible with you and looking forward to watching Bad Batch with you also. Honestly, I'm a little envious of Jay Scotty since he gets to experience Young Justice for the first time for the cast as well. <laughs> Nice, nice. Appreciate how much you reach out to us on the uh, Stranded Panda chat as well. Thanks, TJ.
1: Yeah, TJ, we really appreciate it, man. You've been great. So, we really appreciate that five-star review. And uh, with that in mind, we are still continuing that uh, contest. So, if you're listening now and have not left us a five-star review, uh, we are working with the Stranded Panda Network to get some a well a t-shirt out to um, the winner of a random drawing. All you have to do to enter that is submit a five-star review to Animation Deliberation on apple Podcasts,
2: can i read one more because that's just really making yeah, yeah. me
1: laugh right now please please what you got
2: <laughs> uh, we got one from t nozzle that says dorky as f song made me laugh out loud <laughs> maybe get mad to do some music for a great job guys i'll keep listening <laughs> i think it's stuck in my head throughout the week so you're doing something yeah. right
1: yeah yeah I- i've been called worse than dorky so i'll take it <laughs> All right. Well, I guess the last little bit of housekeeping before we get to dive with our dive into our full thoughts on this episode is uh, people that have been listening to our coverage of Invincible Season 1 thus far may notice that we're missing one of the voices that has been along, along for the ride um, so far, and that is uh, Mr. Nathaniel Mussey. We hate that he could not join us for this conversation, but just scheduling-wise, it's a crazy time for him. It's a crazy time for all of us, as you know, the world is returning back to normal. But I definitely did not want to exclude him from the conversation. I've really um, appreciated his, his insights, and I think he's been a really valuable asset to the conversation. So I definitely wanted to provide him with a platform to give his thoughts on this uh, stellar finale. So we'll uh, jump to that right now. I'm going to throw it to a past version of uh, Jay Scotty. So here we go. Pardon the interruption, animation deliberation listeners. We interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast to bring you this special conversation featuring Panda Nathaniel Muzzy. You know, I'll just get right into it, Muzzy. Uh, You've been along for this journey the whole way through, so scheduling-wise, it didn't exactly work out to have the three of us, including Zuhair, um, jump on for this conversation, but... Uh, you've been such a valuable asset um, to these conversations and brought so much insight that I definitely didn't want to exclude you from the conversation. And given how awesome this finale was, I definitely wanted to give you the opportunity to give some of your thoughts. So with that said, I will do my best to kind of keep quiet and not interject too much as difficult as that will be given how awesome this finale is. But from there, I'll kind of give you the floor here, man. What did you, what did you think about this, this season and this finale, man?
3: Um, what a shocker um maybe not in terms of what nolan slash omni-man did or how he behaved but Mm -hmm. just in terms of the graphic and psychological trauma that he put his son through uh in this episode um that may be the most brutal beating i've ever seen
1: yeah it was really intense and gratuitous as far as the the violence goes. I'm already seeing some of the feedback um, coming in that maybe it was a little bit too much, but I I thought it was incredibly, incredibly effective. It really, really moved me.
3: I thought so too. Uh, You know, it's one of those things where it was a little hard to watch at times because it's supposed to be hard to watch. Mm -hmm. And they really didn't pull any punches as far as what nolan will do to try make mark see his side the train scene oh goodness gracious yeah and and like trying to hold the building up or yeah you know and all that's left is the arm which kind of harkens back to the old lady from episode was it episode one
1: i think it might have been episode two when he was first introduced to the the Teen team at that time
3: right I, I'm a little fuzzy on which is which but you know only this is his dad intentionally killing people to try and make him realize that they don't matter and, yeah, it's, yeah you know and that's the thing the physical violence isn't the greatest harm that he inflicts on Mark during this episode right the mental trauma he puts his son and his wife through you know yeah because deborah's watching is Mm -hmm. brutal and it's hard to watch and it's supposed to be hard to watch and i know i've said that twice now but it really drives its point home
1: yeah yeah i mean it you're okay for repeating that because it really does ring true like i'll I'll just go out come out and say you know that scene where uh, Nolan's basically pummeling Mark into the side of the mountain, just like beating his face in, and then he, he starts to have that, uh, that flashback. I, I was crying like a baby. Um, the most I've cried from anything animated or live action in quite some time. I had tears running down my face basically from the, the part of the flashback where he started to cheer for Mark pretty much all the way up until we got that, that scene with the Guardians where they kind of had their come together and really felt united as a team for the first time.
3: Yeah, and, and that's... I, I, I cried too during this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it it really, really spends a lot of time hammering home this, this pain and struggle, but it somehow manages to leave things off with a hope of optimism. Oh yeah. Om- Omni Man has left the planet. Mark has friends again. Amber takes him back, which I'm not a hundred percent sure I love that, but yeah. I'm willing really like to see where they go with it.
1: It, um, it it rang a little false for me as well, but uh, they've done such a great job with the character up until this point. Um, I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt to see see where it goes. But uh, yeah, I'm with you
3: yeah and uh then we get at the end alan the alien back <laughs> which, uh, which i love and i think we talked about wanting to see more of him and then this coalition of planets so i think we're gonna get more space stuff oh well, definitely and, and they showed the i, I forget the face hugging aliens on mars i believe but... it
1: was the Sequids.
3: sequids, thank you yep yeah, we've got Viltrumite, Sequins, Flaxens. <laughs> we saw it, it's a battle little beasts hard again. To keep them all oh no! Eyes.
1: No worries, no worries.
3: But, uh, um, I think we're gonna see a continuation of that story. We're gonna see a continuation of D. A. Sinclair because we saw a bunch of Reanimen. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Um, uh the person who I really feel bad for at the end of this episode was Debbie. Oh, totally like,
1: heartbroken for her. The fact that she had to hear Nolan refer to her as a, a, pet, a pet, as traumatic as that was for Mark. Yeah. I mean, and you get that heartbreaking scene where he's just kind of downstairs, sees an empty fridge and wants to order some food and just, yeah, it just peeks into her room and she's just like broken into pieces on the bed man you talk about the violence being tough to watch that that was tough to watch too
3: and it it, the acting in this and the animation like that totally made me cry Mm -hmm. it's just like the saddest thing you could imagine and I don't know what the resolution's going to be. I could see Omni-Man not even being in the next season or not being there till the end of the season. Um, I'm interested in seeing where his story goes because he's on the outs with Earth and he's presumably on the outs with the Viltrumites because they don't accept people abandoning their post. But... I'm also super curious about this Coalition of Planets. Oh, yeah. Uh, because that just sounds like a blast. Yes. So they they got me. They, I, I feel like this one stuck the landing. I can see where people feel like maybe it was a little gratuitous in the violence. But I, I tell you what, it, it sure was heartbreaking. And that was what they were going for. Um, and I cannot wait for the next season. I'm as excited for the next season of this as I am for anything coming out. you know, the boys,, um, oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's just been such a fun show to be able to watch weekly like this. And to talk about with you guys, and I appreciate you for having me on to do that.
1: No, no, I I have to thank you again for, you know, making the time. I know this is kind of a a hectic time of year for you especially and just in the world in general with life kind of returning to life, uh, life returning to normal a little bit more quickly than uh, we may have anticipated. But, yeah, I agree, man. This finale was so, so well done. um, And they kind of, like, left us um, on the edge of our seats in terms of, like, whether or not we were going to get a – subsequent season but we get the announcement of not just one season but a third season as well so um yeah i think the timing was just perfect with this finale being as well executed as it was with that announcement i'm just really hoping that there's a nice groundswell for this show going forward like we saw with uh with shows like the boys that you mentioned so hopefully um amazon can be the the place for this like you know a little more mature um graphic novel material that's It's kind of what I'm hoping.
3: Yeah, I I tell you, it's been fun seeing what they did with this and the boys. And I I just hope they continue to make and fund good projects like this. uh, Because I love talking about them, you know, either in Stranded Panda Chat or in this format. It's just been so fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, uh, I'll sure i'll have uh conversations with Zuhair here but uh i think we probably um may wait a week or two but i think we probably want to do maybe a season review in retrospect and maybe like have full-on predictions for uh the next seasons and then also use that as an opportunity to get uh a lot of the listener feedback so um if you want to be a part of that definitely uh would love to have you be a part of that um being you know um, aware of your schedule and whatnot but uh yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm sure we'll have you on for future shows and whatnot. I, again, thanks for your time and uh, and the uh, the insights you brought. Really appreciate it.
3: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate being on, and uh, I look forward to hearing you and Zuhair's conversation on this last episode. It's a good one.
1: Yes, indeed. All right, and with that, I will throw it to future J Scotty and Zuhair. All right. Thank you, past J. Scotty. Uh, we're back, back in the in the present, or for listeners, it's still some version of the past, but uh, we won't get. Mind. Yeah, there wasn't too much time travel in uh, this this season, so we won't dive too deep into that. But the Flaxons do seem to be making a return. Before I get too ahead of myself. All right, man. Well. With that little brief conversation I had with Muzzy, I had an opportunity to give some of my thoughts and uh, opinions. So, Zuhair, I want to open the floor to you, man. What did you think about this crazy finale?
2: Well, this episode really was two-part where we had the big showdown and then just kind of the aftermath either. With how much the last two episodes kind of had slower build-ups for the standard the show is given for slower um it really it set it up perfectly so we could just like kind of dive into the the literally heavy hitting scenes that followed just that that showdown between uh the the Grayson family was honestly really difficult to watch it was really well done but like I said I was trying to eat my tropical smoothie wrap and it was just kind of like (laughs) in my hand with my mouth open ready for a bite but then i just couldn't like stop staring at the tv right so it just lingered there for a while um yeah this is the that fight scene alone shows the benefits of animation over live action because i don't think live action could never could ever knock off what they did with that
1: It'd be interesting to see them try to pull it off, but yeah, just from a budget standpoint alone, it'd be a huge hurdle to even, to even contemplate doing, but I'm right there with you, man. This, I, you're not the the first person to, that I've heard say, you know, it it was tough to watch and it was tough to watch, but uh, I don't, as gratuitous as the violence is, I always find it super, super effective and like, they just did not waste any time. They did not pull any punches. The opening scene, I, I kind of knew it was going to happen as soon as we saw those uh, the grassy hedges. I was like, okay, immortal inbound in five, four. I didn't expect the blood to come raining down, so that was a nice effect. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, his body just lands and his entrails out, spill out. And, yeah, there's really no time wasted at all. Uh, Mark immediately assumes something's wrong with Omni-Man and starts to attack him. But uh, Omni-Man is just like, no, Mark, it it it's me. It's actually me. And lays it all out there, what the, the true nature of the Viltramites is. And man, that just that scene on Viltrum where we got to see, it was kind of uh, as opposed to the lie that we saw Nolan tell Mark when he was like, what, seven years old, where he was uh, embellishing about how uh, Viltrum is a perfect society or whatever. We get almost like the same exact shot from like the, the distance of the utopian society. But this time we just see one by one just eviscerate each other, man. Oh
2: so response to a couple of things like in regard to the the detail of the gore in this on a on a smaller note i like that whenever there's like collateral damage instead of just hearing the screams like you actually see like bits of blood splatter Mm -hmm. like it's not it's not the biggest thing but it's a it's a touch to show that it's like no, it wasn't them just screaming because they're scared. Like, there actually is damage going on. And those little bits of splatters here and there, like, make a world of a difference. And just kind of, like, the overall effect of that. Because that's really something we don't see often. You don't see somebody, like, running on the street um, from the hero crashing in. And, like, right. seeing that level of damage. So, the, the the attention to detail on little notes like that, I think, really did expand the effect of that and on my notes the first thing I thought of when they showed that Viltrum scene was I guess the purge worked over there oh. <laughs> it was just like hey just uh, get out with the weaklings fight for the death it really for the Naruto fans out there it really reminded me of like the Mist Village where it's like everybody's classmates together and the final okay. like, exam is for you to kill your classmates Like and they yeah. become like they get to graduate and become a ninja it's just like oh god like this is a pretty brutal society over here and dude i'm sure um i i, I could see thanos recruiting votrums <laughs> like pre-infinity gauntlet when he was actually yeah. like doing it himself and all that
1: yeah because they went ahead and cut their population half on their own he'd probably yeah. be a big fan of theirs anyway
2: <laughs> yeah
1: oh man But, like, the thing I hearken back to is just... And you mentioned all those, like, little details about, like, uh, the people just being taken out by the the sheer fact that Mark has been blown back like this. But then even, like, in that insane subway sequence where Omni-Man is just holding Mark helplessly as the train plows through and his limbs are just tearing through people. um, He takes that moment as the, like, subway's ending and, like, stomps down on his foot so that the final train, like, flips back up into the air... And crushes all the people that are fleeing away. So, like, not only does it just like heighten how desperate and beaten down Mark is, it just goes to show how truly callous um, Omni Man and, and Nolan is at this point. And man, it w- it was tough to watch, but uh, it's so well done. And uh, it's just—I mean, I-, I said it in my uh, my little conversation there with Muzzy, but once once we got into that. That's, to that scene where Nolan's basically just pummeling Mark into the mountainside. Once he starts to have the flashback and, um, starts to root for Mark when he's playing the baseball game, man, I, I cried more than I've cried anything. Um, live action animation in, in quite some time. Uh, the the tears just started streaming from, from that scene pretty much all the way, um, through until we got, you know, the scene with the the guardians um cleaning off the wall of blood. So I was just I was a mess, man. I I found it super effective. Everything from the voice acting to I, I felt like they they really did, like they um held all their cards for like the first episode and then this episode in terms of just like the heightened detail in the animation, just like every way Omni Man's face contorted when he was so angry at Mark, but then when you see like the yeah. flashes of humanity start to to come back in oh it was just in- incredible such a such a well-done finale
2: and halfway through the fight like mark has all the dialogue of like no you are human you have been learning from us you have changed and mm-hmm. uh nolan just refuses to accept it he's like no nah, I'm, I'm viltrumite first and then it really starts to leak in like and i feel like this is just kind of like a common thing with anything that involves aliens and earth like oh what has earth done to me how I does earth made me so soft, but it really worked (laughs) in this one where it's like, because you see the brutality and how little he actually cares about earthlings and the planet itself. He calls it like a sad excuse for civilization and things of that sort. Um, That that really hurt. uh, But it was, it, it, the line out of context is just kind of a little comedic, but you know, when you really think about it, it's like, he beats the shit out of his son and then has his little moment and then just goes back to his God awful sales pitch <laughs> of joining him. But then is like asking these non rhetorical questions. It's like, Oh, sorry, dad. I'm choking on my blood right now. I can't really answer you at the moment. But
0: right. then when
2: the line actually came in, he was like, what are you going to do in 500 years? Who would you have? Why do you care about these people? He's like, well, I'd still have you I'm like, yeah. Wow.
1: Destroyed me yeah you just see the single tear run down his face and his completely mutilated lips at that point in time and uh one of the like one of the reasons it was like the change in expression was so highlighted there with omni-man when he said that is just right before that when he was pummeling his face and he's like what's another 17 years i can start over ag- yeah. again it's just like oh my goodness it's like
2: oh. that was such a fucked up line especially after calling his mom um a pet, a pet? yikes oh what it
1: dude this is that was one thing that i did find a little bit bit interesting it was like when he called her a pet it upset mark more than it seemed to upset debbie when debbie had the real emotional reaction is when um he said that her life didn't matter in the great scheme of things yeah yeah
2: yeah i i think she was still trying to process everything happening in the first time and then it must have like really settled in after sure it it wasn't just words at that point she saw what he was capable of
1: yeah i mean we we talk about how difficult it was to see like the Grayson family fighting but it was just as as difficult to watch debbie have to go through this i mean throughout the season she's learned more and more that nolan wasn't who she thought he was but especially that scene when mark comes home after he's healed up a bit and um he he actually like flies in front of her which i thought was a little weird but yeah apparently that was enough to like set her off he finds her in the bedroom just absolutely crumpled in on herself and sobbing it was tough to see man and sandra oh i'm I'm glad she got a little bit more to do um here towards the end
2: i'm i'm glad you said that because i didn't think of it as like her responding to him flying i was thinking Mm -hmm. more of like he's probably like in so much pain that flying was a little bit easier than walking.
1: Oh, that's a, I didn't even consider that. I I like that. We both had such different takes on it. I mean, there's probably some value in, in both of those.
2: Yeah. Cause he got up and he was just like, ah, oh, that's better. But I I could see kind of both of those being connected.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, uh, but now that we're kind of transitioning to like the, the post fight, I, I think it's safe to say here, um, uh, Debbie had some interactions with Cecil, like throughout the whole fight and whatnot, where he got to kind of be, I don't want to say the cricket on her shoulder, but I did feel like he was like voicing a lot of the like thought process she was having. And even like afterwards when he was telling her, you know, they're going to, they're basically faking Nolan's death to have died in the explosion in the house across the street and that they will be taken care of by his book sales. Yeah. There was that, that moment where she kind of lashed out at him a little bit because he's used like the word, like some semblance of normal or something like that. And she's like normal. Mm -hmm. And he kind of, he has a soft moment, but there was a line that he gave her that I wasn't really sure how to take. It seemed like it was comforting, but given some other things that we learn about Cecil later on and how, how very much like a uh, double agent, like Nick Fury type character he is. Anyway, the line was, you know, Nolan was living right underneath my nose the whole time and I didn't know it. I don't know how I could live with myself if I didn't start to make things right. And I was like, is that really compassion for Debbie or is that kind of an admonishment at the same time like she was the person that was closest to him what did you pick up anything there
2: um so actually after that part i wrote down in my notes like i feel really bad for cecil because Hmm. his objective really does seem to be like you know taking care of humanity and this and that and after losing the guardians and then having to deal with all that uh with omni man and his family being right next to him like i i think there was like i think there was actual remorse Hmm. but i also feel like characters who are in that position of leading organizations that have to deal with stuff like that like they become numb to giving bad news because they just do it so often so it was one of those things like he's more logistics than he is um emotional i guess So, like, when he was going, it's just kind of like, all right, here's the gist, like, here's the headstone, this is your house, this is where your income's coming from, like, just kind of, like, going through it. And you could see he's trying to, like, open up, like, I know this doesn't really do much, and Debbie's just kind of, like, get to the point. So, it's like, even in his attempt to show emotion, Debbie didn't really give him the opportunity. And because she was going through so much, like, she snapped back at him, but you see Mark afterwards, like talking to cecil so gently and thanking him for everything and whatnot like he's more emotionally understanding of the situation i'll say emotionally understanding they're able to emotionally communicate better than how far opposite the spectrum that deborah and cecil are in regards to that form of communication
3: that's fair yeah
2: but i i generally feel bad for him like i i don't think it's as much of like get the mission done i think he he really did like Hurt the way that things panned out, like how um, Mark Hamill's character, like you actually see him like grieving over it. But I think that's the best way that Cecil was able to grieve over what happened.
1: Yeah, uh, I believe marks Mark Hamill's character was named Art. I can't remember his last name, but he was he basically created all the costumes for not only Invincible but Omni Man, and he was shown to be like a close friend of Omni Man. So he had the whole sequence where he was looking at the photo of them fishing, and then throws it out but uh art I did rosenbaum cir- art rosenbaum okay i wanted to i thought it might have been rosenbaum but i didn't want to just say without knowing for sure <laughs> i had the list up.
2: up but i was just like so locked into my monologue i didn't like scroll <laughs> it.
1: no worries uh i did want to circle back to cecil just a little bit though kind of the thing that i was alluding to and we have kind of like this montage towards the end of the episode that gives us some ideas <laughs> of where the uh, i should have said this up at the top i know i said it in the conversation with muzzy but we did get the fact that uh they waited right till the till the end to let us know but we do have seasons not only just season 2 announced but season 3 as well so mm-hmm. um with that in mind we got some snapshots of where future seasons could go and one of those in particular that i was mentioning was uh you see Cecil Stedman overlooking da a very much rehabilitated well physically rehabilitated i don't know about his mental <laughs> mental space but uh he looks to be doing much better physically uh working on his reanimen. and i can see where cecil's coming from in terms of like those reanimen actually did do a fairly decent job at slowing omni-man down for a little bit in the previous episode but that's just something that continues to rub me the wrong way after what da sinclair did to like a guy like rick and we and we know how william felt about him the fact that he's just able to, like, walk free in any capacity just does not sit well with me. And I have I have to imagine that's going to be something that puts Cecil at odds with not just Invincible, but, you know, maybe some of the other heroes as well.
2: Yeah, that whole Lightroom just kind of shows that there's a lot of sketchy stuff going on in the background. Um, yeah. Whether it be for the overall benefit of humanity or if it is for, like, it's just like... It comes from the moral argument of just kind of like what's too far to protect the greater picture like hmm. where's where's the line in this, right, and like Cecil makes it seem like that it's veterans who like aren't ready to give up and are like willingly giving up their bodies, but it's like can- can we get that conversation yeah is can yeah. we have like that that Iron Man three of them like experimenting extremists and like but them showing that they want to be a part of. Uh what whatever his face's mission was. Like mm. I, I don't want to take Cecil's word for it that it's people who volunteered for this program as opposed to people who were being kidnapped under Sinclair. I I never
1: got the impression that it was volunteers. I got the impression that it was like recently deceased soldiers and they just like collected the bodies while there was still like some oh. nerve function or something like that. But I, I thought might they just weren't be, dead yet. I thought in the previous episode he was like Service members that get to, like, serve their country again. And he didn't flat out say it, but that's just the way I read that line. But maybe it's it's open to interpretation.
2: Yeah, I got that as just kind of, like, members who were, like, already dismembered or something. Hmm. And it's like they're going to die at this point anyway, so let's get a little more out of them.
1: Uh, maybe, yeah, it, that could be entirely possible. Yeah. But... <laughs> I don't like either of those, but yeah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pretty gruesome. And I wanted to say it on the previous episode's coverage, but I just never had a good opportunity. Uh, just talking about how grotesque those things are. One of the things they do that uh, harkens back to something like Attack on Titan, where the giants look so grotesque, is the just the exaggerated smile and like the fact that their lips don't close all the way. Anytime you see like that weird like stretched smile like that, it's just one of the things for the uncanny va- uncanny valley. There's like tips you off immediate like oh that's unnatural that
2: yeah yeah <laughs> it's like a lot of the uh animated versions of the joker it's like whenever he comes oh the sure screen, you're just so uncomfortable yeah yeah exactly uh and also the the sound that they make is just like very zombie like and the way that they scream and shriek it's just oh mm. man, i don't like yeah. i don't like anything about that
1: mm. yeah yeah well talking i mean while we're on the subject of things that were unsettling, I know we've kind of moved on a little bit from the, the gore and Omni-Man, but one thing I did want to mention uh, is that sequence where Mark tries to save the, the fighter pilot when his shoot won't deploy, mm-hmm. and man, that was just, man, the way they did that scene was so effective and so chilling when Omni-Man lands like down right behind the guy. I was just like, I thought he was going to land on the guy first. That's what just I like, thought too. <laughs> But then now he just like puts his hand out and just like like he's not even going through butter. It's like absolutely nothing, and the guy's face yeah. is just gone. Yeah.
2: and he lands right in Mark's arms, and in that moment he goes, "Where's that other one?" Yeah right winds uh, up looking for the other jet. I was like, "Oh Jesus, Christ, what's wrong with this guy?"
1: Yeah, yeah, it was intense, but
2: uh, um, well, another one that was rough was the building falling. And Ooh, he was telling yeah. them like like don't worry, I got you, I got you and then like the kid is dead, the mom is dead, the arm is in his hand and Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my god, and then just like going through the road and just all those people like just decimated. Mm. Man
1: Yeah, I mean and then on that newscast afterwards the like the newscaster just like the death toll is the death toll is incalculable. Incalculable. Yeah,
2: it said thousands in the banner.
1: Yeah, uh, well, that's when we learn. Our, we got the scene where the the guardians, you know, despite Cecil's orders not to suit up, eventually after watching all this uh, rampage go down, they decide to to get out there and they like we may not be able to make a difference in the fight, but at least we can save lives. And that's kind of Black Samson that makes that call. And I think mm-hmm. the only naysayer is Rudy, aka Robot, and that gives. They didn't get a ton of screen time, but it, it does give a little bit of nice character development there between him and Monster Girl, where she gets to remind him that he's no longer a robot anymore, and they kind of take hands and, and chase after the rest of them.
2: And I think on the last episode, we were we were wondering if he was just going to like remote control them from afar, but we get to see that he's actually inside the suit.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's definitely very much like Tony Stark in that regard.
2: And I like that... Um they actually said Guardians of the Globe and Adam Eve. They didn't assume she was part of the team just because she was helping out.
1: Right, right, right. Well, speaking of, she still doesn't get any credit whatsoever because uh, right there at the end when she reveals to both William and um, Amber that she's Adam Eve, first of all, they mistake her for duplicate. multi-Kate. Or, I keep doing that. I keep saying multi instead of duplicate, and I think that's because I did some research and i mentioned we got that uh scene in the when the maulers broke out of prison we saw somebody that i suspected was related to uh duplicate and that guy's name is actually her brother his name is multi paul so like multiple multi paul maybe that's why i keep doing that but duplicate get it right
2: i also like like do you ever pronounce it like duplicate That's how I've always pronounced as duplicate. So it's like duplicate. duplicate. Yeah. I, I I don't get the Kate out of that the way I naturally say it. So it's like, I oh, sure we'll forget. But I, I see with the spelling, how that works.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess outside of that scene where they decide to, to rally together to do that, the other big scene that they got together was when Rex decided it was time to wash the blood from the wall. Mm-hmm. And then they get the pushback from Black Samson. But then the, the whole team
2: comes at the ready.
1: And he decides now we're finally looking like a team.
2: So, yeah, it was. <laughs> I was really confused where that scene was leading up to. I was like, "What possessed him to do that at that point?" Like, isn't that isn't what happened? Like, more of a sign that that should have stayed there. But then I guess when they realized they died by one of their own, it was just kind of like, "No, we don't need that in our memory."
1: Yeah, I, I'm not really sure how to read it. I think it was just like given all the bloodshed that they just saw, it was like what we just went through and what we saw what omni-man was capable of we don't really need this reminder there's no way we're, yeah. we're forgetting this anytime soon we've we've come together through trial by fire that's kind of how i read it
2: yeah. yeah i mean i can only imagine how long monster Girl was working and how much more time she lost out of that yeah, yeah and she's training now too so it's like how does training work with her condition
1: yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see uh i know in our Previous speculation, Muzzy in particular, had brought up the fact that maybe the Flaxons and their time dilation could um, maybe be a potential solution for Monster Girl's aging problem. And while we thought that their civilization was very much wiped out by Omni Man, they were included in that little uh, montage. montage for you know future villains and whatnot. While we're on the subject of it, let me just kind of run through what I saw, and if anything sticks out to you, or if I forgot something, just you know chime in. But uh obviously the Flaxons look like they're returning it looked like the Secwids on Mars and that uh, astronaut that got left behind on Mars is going to come back we got Battle Beast Titan and Isotope uh I can't remember the guy's name but I, I want to say it's like Dr. Seismic or something like that the guy that I thought was very much dead yeah that fell into the lava it looks like he's found a way to make like molten molten men or something like that an army of molten men anyway they look cool yeah, yeah they do and then uh i mentioned d.a sinclair kind of still up in the air on what what side he's going to end up but he seems like he's on the side of the good guys for now and then uh i just put immortal on there too because i mean he's very a lot faster this time around They've they've obviously figured out how to resurrect him but i just kind of wonder how much screen time he's going to get next season before he gets killed again i almost feel like that's gonna be um just kind of his fate to like show up punch for a bit and then get killed in a pretty gratuitous way but who knows
2: <laughs> that's a, that's such a weird thing for me to just get numb to <laughs> it's like oh here's immortal let's see how he dies this time right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah S- Sinclair's uh, an interesting story though because it's like At one point, like, he gets to research for free, so I'm sure he's, like, happy doing that. But then on the other end, like, what if he actually is, like, programming them in a way that he can take over at any point?
1: Ooh. I wouldn't put it past him. He gives a thumbs up, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it.
2: Thumbs up with that creepy-ass smile.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, other than that, uh... We do get... So, Mark wasn't sure if he wanted to suit up after, you know, going through this whole ordeal. Obviously, it's a hell of a thing to go through. Uh But when the time comes and he does get the call, he does suit up. And we get the return of Alan the Alien, voiced by Seth Rogen. And... Well he heard it more this time. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I called that kind of as soon as, like, when he was in there in the diner... I, I I feel like it was. I, I need to rewatch that episode that he was first introduced in, but I felt like they, it was done in a very similar way. That I basically as as soon as he got the call, I knew it was happening. I knew it was going to be Alan the alien again, but this time, Alan doesn't really have any information for us that we didn't know. He's kind of coming to warn Mark that there's a Viltrumite on Earth, which has already been dealt with. Outside of that, he plants some seeds for where the future of the series could be going in terms of, like, the coalition of planets.
2: It sounds like uh, the Green Lanterns of this universe. Oh, you think? I mean, that's what it sounds like, just this uh, coalition, as they say, of planets just kind of, like, working together. that's That's what his role seems to be, too, is just kind of, like, maintaining balance between the planets that are a part of it. And, like, with the Green Lanterns, it's not like every planet it is part of it like there's other there's other like treaties and stuff that like regulate who can go to which thing. so it, it's interesting that we have like this coalition of warriors against this empire that's spreading a little too too far okay
1: now, now that you say that and clarify that yeah i'm on the same page as i'm on the same page with you where i, I see the green lantern corps is more of just a like overall peacekeeping and like yeah. galactic police force I agree with you. I think this coalition is very much directly against the Viltrumites. Especially, um, Alan tells us that his planet was completely wiped out, and the only reason that he's alive is what his his species has been forced to like resort to, like what do you say, like breeding
3: pods or something like that. I guess.
1: Anyway, yeah, it very much seems like you know how many how many civilizations have the Viltrumites already destroyed, and you know whatever little leftovers or smatterings that are still clinging to life have have come together so yeah he definitely seems very surprised by the fact that a Viltrumite has abandoned their post so it'll be interesting to see how Nolan comes back into the picture he's very much still out there the last time we saw him he was flying off into the sky and there was that really cool effect where not only the blood got burnt off of him as he went through the atmosphere but then he leaves behind a single teardrop so there is some shred of humanity still there.
2: I, I wonder how the Viltramites are going to respond to him coming home.
1: You, you think that's where he's going?
2: I'm assuming so.
1: I, I would, I don't think he would go home because he talks about how he's, he was still loyal to Viltram, and I would think that if he were to go home, he would, it would just be like immediate execution. So, I'm more expecting him to maybe be like a fugitive. On the run.
2: Maybe he maybe goes to some... one of the colonies?
1: Yeah, yeah. maybe he gets some Viltrumites, like coming after him. And maybe that's what will cause him to eventually have to... Maybe the next time we see him, he's not fighting Mark again. Maybe they team up again against some other Viltrumites. Mm. I don't know. And maybe, maybe we won't even see him at all next season. Maybe we have a, a Season 2 where we focus on other things entirely. I would be completely fine with that. I would definitely miss jk simmons you know just the gravitas that he brings and the and the atmosphere that he brings with his vocal performance but it's such a rich world and rich universe already i i'm completely fine with them expanding in other ways like i just mentioned battle beast michael dorn like he completely wrecked shop in the episode that he popped up in they could devote a whole season to him if they wanted to
2: yeah yeah i agree with that I, i wouldn't be surprised if nolan didn't show up at all or if only showed up in maybe one episode just yeah it's kind of like a like um like we see a lot of earth stuff and then there was like meanwhile and you but there's an episode dedicated to what nolan's been up to in this time
1: all right yeah i could i could definitely see it going that way well um as far as just like covering the the season finale itself and, and what we took away from that was there were there any other standout moments or or things you wanted to mention
2: uh two small things one from the ending one from the beginning sure. on the ending um i like how alan asked him like so what are you gonna do in the meantime and they go through the collage and i thought that's where the collage was gonna end and then he Uh-oh. just goes finish high school i guess he's like oh okay <laughs> what's high school right yeah that was, <laughs> I thought a nice that was such a funny way to wrap it up it was so good yeah i like that too and then i <laughs> I talk about how dumb I am every week, and I never see the uh, the Invincible title card come up, mm-hmm. but I actually saw it coming this time, and it was still probably one of my favorite ones, because he was like, I hope he lives up to his name, I hope he's actually in a cuss, I was like, ooh, I like, that set up the level of action that we were about to see so well.
1: Yeah, it was Rudy this time, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
2: Because, like, even though he's very monotone, like, you see the concern in his voice, like, in, in form of the context. And, sure. like, just the way that he delivered it, I was like, yeah, that's that's definitely one of my favorite ones.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really well done. And then I, I felt like the amount of blood that hit the page was appropriate to the amount of blood Mark lost, because it just yeah. completely dri- I mean, the page was already pretty covered, but it, it got completely soaked. So I'm curious if in Season 2, if we're just going to continue to add to the blood that's already there. Or if they'll kind of wipe it clean for the, the beginning of each season, yeah. or maybe they'll have a new a new gimmick.
2: Uh, so speaking of the blood, another thing was that um, when when Nolan took Mark underwater and like you see all the blood coming off, it was a cool animation. Yeah. But I didn't realize the ocean cleaned off blood that easily, but I <laughs> guess the suit is like really slick because even when like Mark flew out to space, like his burn like his uh, clothes burned off. Yeah, so it's like okay, maybe it's just like. It's just a really slick spandexy suit. The things kind of wipe off really easily. And um, when Mark or when Nolan took Mark to the mountain and started pounding him in over there, the way that those echoes were going, I thought there was going to be an avalanche, like killing the people at the cabin, and Mark had to like watch that next. So I was like, oh, thank you for sparing me that part at least.
1: I I think it did happen. I just don't think it was shown. <laughs> I think oh. they that <laughs> happened off camera because yeah.
2: <laughs> Alright, just take away my little happy thought. Thanks, <laughs> you, Scotty. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm glad they survived. No, I don't think they did. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: about that. <laughs>
1: ah. yeah,
2: so how you pointed out the um, the unanimated person in the background a couple episodes ago.
1: Oh, yeah, like the poorly rendered 3D models. I, I There was some more of that this
2: episode. There was. Yeah. Well, when they renovated the house it got it got me was the house always pink i do not know because the amount of pink that was on the wall and on the furniture i was like "Mm, i i don't remember it being that pink like this this color is really bothering me right now Hmm. what what person did they hire to come in and make everything pink i
1: i didn't pick up on that one this time around Uh, First off, it
2: just doesn't fit the, like, aesthetic of how modern the house is. And second, they've (laughs) been looking at so much blood. Like, why would you put the color to smear blood all over that? No. Yeah.
1: That, uh, that interior designer
2: (laughs) failed. (laughs) That was really sweet how, like, William came up to the door and saw, like, all the mail and boxes and packages and, like, organized it. And then when he, uh, when he meets, um adam eve accidentally slips up he's like yeah i saw mark going with Man." oh you know okay wait you know he so just like goes in for a hug she was just kind of like boundaries but yeah Yeah, i thought
1: that was funny too she just kind of backs away <laughs> and then yeah mark opens the door with amber and it's like yeah she knows too like, Yeah. okay does anybody not know
2: yeah, I just, I still don't like the relationship, and it's just kind of like, hey, I know you almost died, but I'm just gonna get in your space and kiss you, and just tell you that we're back in a relationship. Like, ah.
1: yeah, Muzzy brought that up too, and I I'll concede that it it rang a little false to me as well, but um, again, I I felt like they did a really nice job with her character for the most part, and she could have come across as very unlikable, but I more often than not, I found myself sympathizing with her and understanding where she was coming from. It did feel a little unearned how they were just back together like that, but I'm hoping that's for a reason, and I'm hoping um, we see that pay off in, in Season 2. So,
2: Yeah. I also hope that um, Adam Eve and Rex don't get back together because you see them have the mm. little moment when they came in. Like, no, I'm no, glad no, you no. mentioned that, no, too. No, yeah. He's like, Stop. oh, Jesus
1: Christ, you're okay. And she's like, yeah, just very receptive to him.
2: Yeah. I, I hope that's just his friends because she did end up going back home by herself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Her treehouse. I love that treehouse. I want that treehouse.
2: <laughs> need it. I don't know how I'd get up there, but I need it. <laughs> it's
1: such a this was poor planning. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, any other any other predictions for for season two or three before we kind of bring things to a close here? Mm-hmm. We'll have a we'll have a uh, episode where we do like more of a full on season review and. Speculation for seasons two and three when we can get Muzzy back in. Yeah. But if you have anything else you just kind of want to.
2: No, I'm just excited to hear everybody's feedback and what everybody else thought of the show because the people I see in person haven't watched it yet and it drives me nuts because how do you not talk about the show? Well, yeah, that's
1: the thing too. I'm hoping that it kind of follows a similar trajectory to The Boys where there was a fair amount of buzz around the first season, but not everybody watched it right off the bat. And then by the time Season 2 came around, I felt like, you know, the doors blew wide open and everybody was on board. I'm kind of hoping Invincible will um, follow a similar trajectory there. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, Yeah, but on the subject of feedback, I will uh, go ahead and let everybody know because I'm going to try to have this uh, podcast out the same day that we record. So that'll give you guys plenty of time to submit your feedback. If you want to send us feedback, you can always do that in the Stranded Panda chat uh, in addition to that, you can hit us up at animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com. or you can always you know just tag myself if you if you're friends with me on Facebook or if you find me on twitter. it's at jscott for real j s c o t t number four r e e l or you can hit up the uh, the podcast's twitter handle at animationdelib one number one so animation d e l i b number one. Let's actually, on the subject of feedback, let's hit some feedback that we got from one of our listeners, and that will be from 084. I know 084 is a name that I've heard for quite some time and i have seen in the Twitch streams and whatnot, so we appreciate you, 084. Let's get into it. They say, What's up, guys? Finale was crazy. In an episode and season filled with insane, gratuitous death, they somehow topped themselves with that brutal train scene. I had hoped that Omni-Man's motivations were much less mustache twirly but they still got me emotion wise particularly with the pet line i also like that invincible didn't miraculously win the fight with brute strength and instead it ended with a small inner conflict with omni-man you mentioned fancast for the live action movie and i thought i'd throw my thoughts out there oh this will be fun so for mark he's got ryan potter google
2: I Google. Don't, google yeah i was
1: gonna say i don't know ryan potter off the top of my head while you're looking that up, I'll go ahead and say, yeah, there's a few of these i don't I don't recognize so uh good on you for some deep cuts here for Nolan he says Adrian Pasdar who I do not know debbie Sandra o oh, y recast hey I'm with you she's pretty much perfect Eve he says Millie Bobby Brown eh, I, could, I could potentially see it uh Cecil he's got Brad Dorf that's a pretty good call and monster girl Akira Akbar. That's all I got. I will point out that putting together this list has me thinking that they're going to have such a hard time putting this into live action. If only for the near impossible task of matching the talent of the voice cast, they might be better served to go with unknowns for the most, uh, excuse me, they might be better served to go with unknowns for most of the cast. Until next time. Well, thank you, 084.
2: Um, So, Ryan Potter played Gar, Beast Boy, in the Titan series. Oh and, wow! Yeah, I did enjoy him in that, so I could see it. Okay. I think he could. <laughs> I think he could be a little more animated, but <laughs> uh, he also did play. He voiced Hero in Big Hero Six.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Um.
1: Well, based on that vocal performance, he'd be pretty great.
2: Yeah. So th- that alone kind of shows he has the ability to uh, to be a little more. <laughs> God damn it, cartoony! I can't think of worse than hard puns. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, uh, I'm just going to ask you something. This may be something you have no reference to whatsoever, but I know a couple of, may, may, maybe better part of like three or four years ago now, when Ben Affleck was very much still like DC's Batman, um, there was a young actor that submitted like his reel for Robin to Ben Affleck. And I remember it got some buzz on social media. I think that might have been Ryan Potter now that I'm hearing hmm. more about him, but uh, hey. If you're listening to this and you know that that's the case, send us some feedback and let me know if I was right or not.
2: That would be really cool if, like, they sent it to him, but, like, the movies weren't interested in. They just passed it along to the the TV department. Oh. And were like, hey, can you use him for anything?
1: Yeah, That would be pretty interesting if that was the...
2: Yeah. Because he's on that Titans with Robin.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like... Grayson and uh... Jason
2: Todd are both on that show.
1: Well, who was it? It was, uh not to get too off the rails here, but I just thinking about Shang-Chi and, uh, Simu Liu, the way he got that role is like, I guess like a year before he got cast, he just like put it out there. He like tagged Marvel and like all his social media posts were just like, my dream is to be in a Marvel movie. And Hmm. he got it. So anyway, uh, yeah, as far as we know, that, uh, that invincible live action version is that, live action adaptation is technically still in the works, but uh, you know, given the success of this animated series, they may put it on the back burner or it may get fast tracked. to, uh, it'll be pretty interesting to see, but uh, I'm good with the animated version for the time being.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If it ain't broke.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Well, um, I believe that's going to bring our conversation to a close here. Um, I've already kind of plugged myself, uh, excuse me. I've already kind of plugged my stuff. So I will just remind <laughs> you folks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> didn't come off across. didn't come across the way I wanted <laughs> I was to, trying first to keep time. my
2: mouth shut. I couldn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, You're good. You're good. Uh, but yeah, I will take this opportunity to just remind you folks about the stranded Panda network. Go to strandedpanda.com. Check out all the wonderful shows that are happening there. You know the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, the Star Wars Universe podcast, who we are actually teaming up with to do some coverage for The Bad Batch, which will be dropping soon. So uh, we kind of have Invincible coming to a close, and it's perfect timing for another series to get going. And we know that MODOK's just around the corner, in addition to all the other great shows you guys have let us know that you want us to tackle. um, I know My Hero Academia and Demon Slayer um, are pretty popular these days. Without a mind, Zuhair... You had the opportunity to do some uh, Demon Slayer coverage. Do you want to talk about that at all?
2: Yeah, so I finished my binge. My buddy told me, hey, the movie comes out in theaters on this date. Uh, Watch the whole series. Season 1 is on Netflix, and we're going to go watch this. It wasn't an option. So I was like, well, that moved up on my list. I binged it. I loved every second of it. That anime is amazing. Uh, if you haven't watched it, please go check it out. It is only one season as of this time. It is on Netflix and Hulu, so you have your options. And it was great going to the movie theaters again. That was definitely a movie worth watching in theaters if you have the option. And if you were comfortable in going, it, man, it was it was really good. The comedy, the story, the action, the just the design and the fluidity of everything. I cried. I laughed. It was really good and thankfully i had the option to uh talk to sarah day McDougal, and we just broke down the movie and just talked about all the pros and cons and just how much we love a good animated series so check out that episode uh featuring sarah day um email Jay scotty to tell him to watch the series so that we can <laughs> get his thoughts as well <laughs> and yeah let us know what you think of that uh what would you think of Demon Slayer and what your favorite anime are? Because I would love to talk about it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm excited to, to watch the show and to, to listen to what you guys had to say about it. So, uh, one more time, I'll just say uh, strandedpanda.com, youtube.com strandedpanda, and twitch.tv slash TV. Thanks for
0: tuning in. Stay whelmed. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango, because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark